Hey y'all, it's Barb. It's Shay. We're here to talk about a murder that's gonna knock you off your feet. So giddy up y'all, this is gonna be a wild one. Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode. How are you doing Barb? I am doing good. I had a good weekend. Saw my family, saw you, so can't complain. How was yeah, yours? It was a great weekend. Uh, got to see family, so always love to hang out with family. Um, I hope you all had a good weekend. Don't forget about merch for sale and also the last chance for you to vote for the uh, voters or listeners episode is the second, the 22nd. So hurry up and get your votes in. Remember your options are Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker, Lizzie Borden, which is AKA the Axe Murderer, and Anthony Morley, an English model who was convicted of murder. So get your votes in. You guys have some very hard choices to make. And the 22nd is going to be this Thursday. So get your votes in. And we would, we can't wait to hear about what you guys vote for. Yes. Before we start, I want to say I got my info from Wikipedia and Murderpedia. Because most of the stuff is like either on Wikipedia or Murderpedia or like news articles. There wasn't any like super super critical information on bigger websites um which i'm kind of i'm kind of shocked actually because this case is insane um today i will be telling you about a mass shooting at a home around the spring area and trigger warning there are children involved in this case so if that's it's sensitivity for you please feel free to skip this episode or skip the parts that uh where we talk about the murder um, I don't go into detail on everything, but I just want to say trigger warning. This shooting include included six people who were killed and one injured. And I wanted to talk about the victims first before we go into the rest of the case. Um, there wasn't like information about every single victim, like um, personal information or whatever. It was mostly about the murderer, um, but I still want to bring them up like we always do. Um, but like I said, there were seven people total. The first was the mother. Her name was Katie Stay, and she was 33 years old. Then her husband, Stephen Stay, who was 39 years old, and their children, which included Cassidy, who was 15, Brian, who was 13, Emily, who was nine, Rebecca, who was seven, and Zachary, who was four. So they're all really young even to the parents 33 and 39 is super young um but yeah so only one of the seven people survived and it was 15 year old well she was 15 at the time but 15 year old cassidy she saw everything that happened that night and i'm sure she has some kind of guilt of being the only one who survived but at the same time like we'll talk about at the end she kind of actually saved more people um in the long run so but we'll we'll talk about that towards the end. Um, she has to relive that same moment every single day of her life. And I could not imagine having that play in my head over and over again, especially seeing at 15 and you're, you're in that, like, your mental state is sensitive. And this is when you're supposed to be, like, hanging out with your friends and going to the mall and being a teenager and not seeing your family murdered right in front of you. Like, you know how sensitive like at a age that your brain is. So just imagine the trauma that she's still probably going through to this day. 
And this happened in 2014, so it wasn't that long ago. Oh, wow, yeah. Like, I mean, I can, can you imagine, imagine, like, your daughter seeing that? No, because not only did she see it, but she's literally having to grieve, like, every brother, every sister, her mom, her dad, like, all at the same time. Like, that is hard. I can, uh-uh, I could not imagine I'm that poor little girl. I mean, not just at 15, but at any age, but still, it's just, like, that's so little to be, to have to, like, see that. I just, I couldn't get over that through this whole thing, but she did end up helping out in a, at big time. Um, so, let's go into the murderer. Like I said, there was a lot of information on him, but I kind of just pick and chose some things. Um, but the murderer's name was Ronald Lee Haskell Jr. And I don't know if I'm saying the name right, but I'm just going to assume it's right. Um, he was born August 26, 1980. He was raised in California. He worked as a driver that was partnered with FedEx for a long time. And he actually lived in Alaska for a while, but they don't have like, like set in stone dates or whatever. Um, but he, uh, got married to Milani. I think that's how your name, either it's Milani or Milani. Um, and her last name was Lyon on March 15th, 2002 in California. After this, they moved to Utah from 2006 to 2013. They got, they got a divorce on Valentine's Day in 2014. So they weren't, they were married for, I mean, I guess 12 years, I think. And which is pretty long, but at the same time, it's not that long compared to some of the relationships that I've been around. But right after this is, right after this, his now ex-wife, Milani, and Ronald got a divorce. And Milani, like after they got the divorce, Milani's sister helped him move to Houston. So one of the big reasons they got a divorce was because Ronald was not a very nice person. And just like some of the pictures that I saw of him, I can definitely see that. He seemed like, I don't know. It's hard to explain what he looked like. I guess I should have sent you a picture. But um, Milani had a restraining order put like put against Ronald because in June 2008, he was charged with suspicion of domestic violence, simple assault, and committing an act of violence in front of children. He was charged with this because it was said that he reportedly took Milani by her hair and pulled her out of their bed, and then he hit her on the head. He tried saying that he just pushed her, but either way, like, that still doesn't make it okay. It is still abuse if you're pushing or whatever. But he pled guilty to the simple assault charge and not the others, but all the charges were dropped after they made a plea deal. Which, to me, is a problem because if you're already seeing some active violence towards her, like, you should take it more serious than giving him a plea deal. I, I, I think plea deals are so, like, messed up in their own ways because, like, could you imagine your family member being treated wrong and then the person who's treating her that way was released? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, uh-uh. I see. I don't know... I don't know what the point is to do those, but, like, I, I don't understand why that's even a thing. Like, why I, are... I know sometimes it's, like, to get more information, but at that point, he's abusing her. 
he's what, not information on what though like i so guess like, it was like oh go ahead go ahead sorry Oh, well, no, I was just saying that, like, I get if it was information on another inmate or something like that, because that is, could, like, the cops or police or investigators could use that. But what information from this is he going to give the police that is, like, the, that they need? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, we're, why is there even a plea deal on this? That doesn't make any sense. Um, but, yeah. To me, I think he should have served the term for assaulting his wife if he actually did. But I think the reason why they they didn't like do more was because they couldn't necessarily prove what happened. So it was just like a hearsay kind of thing. So they couldn't do more unless they had more evidence. But this caused her to file the restraining order on January 8, 2013. And it started on July 9th. So the day after that she filed it. Then she proceeded to divorce, divorce him in August, and if he was actually abusive, there was no telling what was happening behind closed doors. Like, for her to get a restraining order, it seems like there was a, something more serious happening and not just, I mean, if he really did pull her by her hair out of the bed, that's probably just one thing out of many, many other things that happened. Right. And to me, that's, that's so sad to, that it actually happens in relationships. And a lot of people don't really know about it, especially like if you're not, if you don't have close family and you don't have close friends, like there's no telling what's happening to people out there. It's, it's insane to me. That's true. But at least like she was strong enough to, to get away from it. Cause some women just stay and like, unfortunately some women end up dead because they don't know how to get out. They don't have the resources. They don't know what to do. Exactly. Thankfully, she did. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, in the end, it's she probably feels some sort of blame for this, and I'll tell you why. But it's just, I don't know, it's it's such a sucky situation for this whole case. This, And I, that's why I said I can't believe this case is not in more places. And this is the first time I've ever even heard of this. Um, but on October 13th, Ronald came to terms on the divorce and agreed to the restraining orders not only to Milani, but it also was the children. So he wasn't able to be around the children either, which is really good on her part for including them on it and making sure that her family was taken care of. Um, then almost a year after their divorce on July 2nd, 2014, Ronald's mother, Carla, asked for a restraining order as well because they got into a quote, a for ferocious argument end quote and I believe that's what she said happened um, and she told the police that he got angry after she told him that she was talking to Milani and he ended up grabbing his mother and shoved her into the garage and then he proceeded to take her wrist and tie them up after that he pushed her into a computer chair and and taped her to the chair and kept her there for about four hours and told her that he would kill her and the entire family. The police tried to search for him, but they could not find him. And they found out later that he had shot and killed a family about a week after this attack. Isn't that insane to your own mother? No, I mean, you obviously, he has some mental issues going on, like for sure. And like, I think something with his ex-wife was just so triggering to him that he just... 
he couldn't handle it, I guess. But still, like, and it's crazy to me that there were certain police officers looking for him and then certain police officers who were on the scene and they ended up all finding out that they were all connected. And so he was just like, something was triggering in him and it just did not end very well at all. Um, so let's get into the day of the massacre. So the day was July 9th, 2014. And it was just another normal day for this day family. And they were just all hanging out. And I believe the parents were not home. So it was just the children at home. So I'm sure the 15 year old was probably watching everyone. But sometime that day, a FedEx employee knocked on the door. Cassidy answered the door thinking like, you know, here's another delivery. I'll just get it. And then we'll shut the door and go. Because usually, you know, parents say, don't open the door for anyone. The FedEx driver asked for Cassidy's parents, but at the time they weren't home and she let him know and he turned around and walked away. But at this point, Cassidy didn't think anything of it. She just was like, oh, okay, well, I guess they needed a signature or whatever. I'm not sure if they had a conversation or whatever, but she just was like, okay, whatever. And she went back inside and continued doing what she was doing. Well, not long after the FedEx driver came back and knocked again. It was a little weird to Cassidy, but she still answered because she just figured maybe it was a different package or whatever, because that happens sometimes. And this is when the driver told her that he was her ex-uncle Ron. So you can tell that he doesn't go around the family very much if she clearly did not know who he was. Like it didn't click to her that that was her uncle or anything because I guess she wasn't supposed to be around him because they knew what happened. And this is when she realized who he was and she tried shutting the door quickly. So that right there is a sign that she knows she's not supposed to be talking to him. And I don't, you know, to her, it didn't seem like anything. She didn't know what was happening. So in no way was this any of her fault. Like none of this that happened, it would have happened whether she liked it or not because he was on a mission. And with her trying to shut the door, we all know that it's not hard for a grown man to stop her from pushing the door closed because he was, you know, stronger than her. She was, she was very small for a 15 year old from the pictures that I saw. Um, but the, but he stopped her from closing the door and he made his way in. And at this point he told her to lay down on her stomach and put her face down looking towards the floor. And he was tying her hands up the same time he was telling her to lay down and then he proceeded to get the rest of the children and do the same exact thing to them then he waited in the house and for the parents to get home and when they got home he did the same to them and he was I'm sure he was yelling at them and saying you know where is Milani I want to know where she is and he tried to get information out of the family to find out where she was and how to get to her but because the mother of the family, oh, sorry, let me go back and try. Because he was there trying to get information about his ex-wife because the mother of this family was Ron's ex-wife, Milani's sister. So those were technically like his ex-nieces and nephews and his ex-sister-in-law. And that was, he was there to get information on Milani and find out where she was so he can get to her 
but after asking them over and over and over they either did not know where she was for one or they knew what he was going to do so they didn't tell her and they probably were like calling his bluff didn't thinking like not thinking he was actually going to do anything well this is whenever he pulled out his firearm and he shot the entire family quote execution style unquote he tried to ex- he tried to escape but it was it wasn't long until he was found because the daughter who answered the door Cassidy was not actually killed so they believed that in the moment she had put her hands up to kind of cover her head and doing this movement actually saved her because she was only grazed in her head she ended up with the amputated finger and a skull fracture so once she was shot she decided to play dead so that he thought that she was dead so then as soon as he killed him he ran and left and so whenever he left she got up and called the police and told them that he could be going after other family members which she believed were going to be her grandparents so because she called the police were able to track him at another house and it didn't say if it was the grandparents house or not but i'm gonna assume it was and they found him and he saw that the police were there and he ran and the chase lasted around 20 minutes and there were like around 20 to 25 police cars that were involved in this chase and they ended up stopping in a cul-de-sac which was only three miles away from the home where the family where the stay family was killed and they actually got him with the spike trip which is like the things that they roll out in the ground and you drive over and it pops their tires so it popped his tires and then they blocked him with armor trucks and cornered him in the corner of the cul-de-sac this is whenever he pulled the firearm out and held it to his head and he would only talk to the police over the phone and after about three hours he finally surrendered to me i think it's insane that all of this happened just because he wanted to find his ex-wife yeah uh, he 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 seems like he had something going on like mentally ill and it's so weird that like i mean i guess you never really know what's happening behind closed doors and if their marriage was always like this but I mean, if they were together for 12 years and then she finally decides to divorce him, it's like, kind of makes it seem that it wasn't always like this. So it's like, what snapped? Or, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I understand. It's like, what made him flip the tables? And and if he did, I mean, maybe it was like that at the beginning and she kind of was like, no, you need to fix this and was trying to give him time to fix it because he probably kept telling her, no, I'll do better. I'm sorry. It was an accident or whatever. But she finally made the decision and you know at the same time they're having children and it's always hard when you have children to kind of separate from their parent whether it's the mother or the father um but i i don't know there's there's no information about their marriage other than their divorce and the restraining orders that i could find um that's so sad though like i know to do that to the whole entire family and i can i can only imagine the like the amount of pain that she have must have felt being like being hit first of all and then witnessing all of that and now she's literally having to grow up and be on her own and every family member 
that she thought that she would have for like the rest of her life is literally gone. Exactly. And it's just like a snap of a finger and they're, they're gone, you know, and it just takes one person's mental health to do this, you know, and I really think that something was wrong mentally with him because he was just, it's like he was on a mission and he was not going to like veer from his mission at any cost no matter whose life was that danger, he was going to find his ex-wife. And there's no telling what he would have done to her as well. Um, but the next morning, Ron was charged with six counts of capital murder, and he was held without bond for his first court date. Oh, sorry. He was held without bond, and his first court date was July 11th. So only two days after. We could say two or three because, you know. And as they were reading the charges... On the 11th, he passed out twice and was taken out of the courtroom by a wheelchair. But, like, why are you being dramatic? You knew what you were getting yourself into when you pulled the trigger before you even went there. So, I don't understand what you're being dramatic for. You can go well, die maybe, in a hole. Yeah, well, maybe, like, I don't, I mean, I've never been a killer, so I don't know how brains work and stuff like that, but I honestly think that there are certain times when people literally black out. And yeah. it's like they don't remember. They, they, something just like takes over their mind and they do things that they probably would have never thought that they were capable of doing. Mm-hmm. And who knows? Like, I mean, maybe he was on drugs, like we, you know, or maybe he wasn't, but something could have triggered in his mind and he did something that he didn't even realize he was doing. Yeah. I agree. And I I think it's very true about the sometimes people just black out. Like that case where the wife ran over her husband because he right. was cheating. I think that was another explanation of blacking out whenever you're on a mission. But um, he was, they actually, he tried to file not guilty because of insanity, but they didn't take it. They we're like, no, you knew what you were doing kind of thing. Um, and he was given death by lethal injection in 2019. They actually have a lot of videos on YouTube of him being charged, which I thought was really interesting. It like shows the judge and everything, like reading out his sentencing and all that. And I thought it was it's pretty interesting to actually see it happen. Um, because, you know, in, in older cases, it's kind of hard to see that because they didn't necessarily record too much. But... I did not see a date that this is supposed to happen. And I think they're actually still waiting on a date. But this happened in 2014. And they barely gave him a verdict in 2019. Like, that's a long time for him to. Yeah, that's crazy. So he got the verdict or he was in like put to death? No, he got the verdict. So that was that was the day that they said the jury decided death by lethal injection instead of life in prison. Oh, okay. Yeah, that is a really long time. Like, to me, I think that's that's crazy, but I, I am happy that they did it without bond. So that way he could not get out. He just had to stay there until, because they felt that he was a danger to society, which he was. Oh, because he was clearly going on a mission and going to go to everybody no matter what it took. So I am glad that they did the the no bond thing and kept him in prison that whole time oh yes me too as for the ex-wife though i tried to find like where she was or what she was doing or what she said about 
the whole case and everything and there was nothing I couldn't find anything about her or the kids and even like her family was like she hasn't really come out about it no news sources nothing so as for her I have no current info I have no idea what's happening if she's in contact with the family like with Cassidy and so on and so forth and as for the victims, Cassidy was in critical condition, condition, but was actually released from the hospital on July 11th, which was the same day that he was given, like, or he was read his sentencing, or not his sentencing, um, like, saying that he was capital murder and so on and so forth and where he passed out or whatever. But there was an online fundraiser campaign that was that received over 16,000 people and there was over 3,000 or $394,000 raised to help with the funeral and every and all the funerals and everything and like that just to me that shows like what people can do if they join together for the good that's a lot of money for a 15 year old girl yep and I wish honestly I wish this would happen more often with families who lose their loved ones because you just don't expect it whenever they're murdered. Um, so yeah, that concludes today's episode. How was it, Barb? Did you have any questions or comments or anything? Uh, no, no questions. I've been commenting quite a bit, but, um, I, I actually liked listening about this one cause I never seen it and it's not like it's super old either. So I'm actually quite surprised that I haven't seen it or heard about it. But, yeah, I don't know. Stuff like this is literally just, like, a tragedy for the family, for the victims, for the people that's left, that knew the family, and is literally having to grieve so many people at one time. Like, I can only imagine, and that's something that I never, ever would want to experience in my lifetime. I don't think anybody wants to ever experience that. (laughs) No. No. But, Yeah. Thank you all for joining us today. We hope you had a great weekend and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you guys have any questions, please feel free to add us on Facebook at Texas Chicks Who Talk Murder, Insta at Texas Chicks Who Talk Murder with those faces, and Twitter at Texas Chicks Who with the number one. And stay out of dark places and watch your back because you never know who's lurking. Bye. Bye.